Your favorite thing to do on a day off? Binge watch television. Hello and welcome to Reba Watchables, your favorite Reba Recap pod, Reba Cap pod, if you will. Um, the Revolution has already been televised, as many of our listeners already know. Um, I am one of your co-hosts, Natalie Weiner. And I'm your other co-host, Johnny Opping. And we've got a another great guest calling in to the Reba studio. Uh <laughs> Formerly of Deadspin, formerly of Vice Sports, where he was an editor of mine. Uh, forever of P.F. Chang's Stephen A. Smith tweet. <laughs> uh, but most importantly, now of The Defector. Yeah, currently of The Defector, where he is a writer and a co-owner, because that's how The Defector works. Also how... Reba Podcast Network works. <laughs> As we were discussing before the <laughs> yeah. show, we're just you know, talking a little shop. We um, all part of the same revo- revolution. Do I have, yeah, to, yeah, exactly. I have to say the B? All right. Uh, yeah. We, we have, have David Roth. <laughs> David, Hi. thank you for joining us. It's a pleasure to be here. I realize now that I've been telling people that I was doing this podcast, and I think I was just saying the Reeb Watchables because that. <laughs> So that sounds a lot worse than the Reba Watchables, <laughs> and I think I just gravitated towards it for that reason. It'd be funny if you were like, and also I've been telling people that her name is Reeb McIntyre. Reeb. Well, that's what, to friends, those who know her. It's like with the way that, Cutting like, Lorne, letter. the way that Lorne Michaels is always like, Bobby De Niro. Like, that's how <laughs> people that know her were like, oh, was it Musso and Frank with Reeb? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I was just at lunch with Reeb. Um, who has the time to say reba in this go-go you know (laughs) online fast (laughs) world true two syllables no one syllable that's that's the way to go yeah um so what is like it sounds like i know the answer but what is your do you have any reba context in your life do you have any familiarity with reba the actor or musician coming so, into this. I was talking about this with my wife yesterday because this is the sort of thing that you would naturally talk about with one. <laughs> this was spouse. before we asked David to come on the show. Yeah, no, this, I was, yeah, this is actually they were able to tell. Uh, I have an issue. My webcam just turns on sometimes, so people can see what I'm talking to my wife about. Uh, in this case, it was I, we are watchers of a show that is not good called Big Sky, which I believe is on ABC. And Reba was the special guest star and like kind of the like big bad for the last season of that show. My mom Um, gave me a I'm not gonna give away too much. (laughs) Yeah, if people aren't up on the So Big Sky is adapted from the works of CJ Box. His uh series of I think they're called highway novels or something like that. Whatever Mm -hmm. it is, it is a very strange, tonally very strange sort of cops and robbers show set in Montana. Mm-hmm. And it is a, a mess, tonally really bizarre. There's a whole, the first season, there's like one bit of it that seems to be set inside of like the sort of, not the, whatever the the knockoff version of Psycho where there was like young Norman Bates. <laughs> like, so oh, yeah. Yeah. a third show? of the show was that. And then the rest of it was like cowboy cops. Right. Um, It's a very weird uh, program, but they have had good guest stars in the past. John Carroll Lynch and Ted Levine and uh, Reba McIntyre, 
So I was like kind of more familiar with her as an actor from that. And then, you know, like I saw Tremors when I was 13 and thought it was cool. So I think I know her acting at this point much better than I know her music, which is like, I'm sure that if I heard like some of her bigger songs, I would be like, yeah, I've heard that in my life. Yeah. But it would have to be like, it's a shot in the dark. Like I couldn't name one off the top of my head. I think it's probably like, I would be curious if like, if there was like a giant poll, which I assume, (laughs) I assume, I hope that is or will be at some point. Like I think it's probably like 50 50 for most Americans of like her as an actor versus her as a musician. Yeah. I mean, this show was on for a really long time. I mean, we, we went to see Reba, um, which was a pretty special experience, obviously. Um, this was I, relatively recently. And as we were walking in, like, the security people, they were probably both, like, 20 years old, you know? Like, I was wearing my Reba shirt, as one does. Mm-hmm. And the girl was like, oh, yeah, like, is she good? Like, whatever. And the guy, like, didn't know who Reba was, you know, despite working security for the concert. And she was like, no, no, you know the show? Like, you've seen... Like, they definitely, like, the show was the frame of reference, like, having seen it in syndication. So So this was, like, weird to them. This was, like, if you were going to, like, a Laurie Metcalf concert. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, no, I love her, but what is she she doing up there? Is she she just reacting the scenes? They thought it was, like, a Spalding Gray thing. Like, she's just gonna (laughs) do... A monologue of the experience of her pregnant daughter and the, the prom <laughs> controversy. <laughs> it is fun. It would be funny, if, like, because like it's it's a full on like it's basically like a diva performance. Like there's like many like costume changes and like quick Sexy, transitions. Whatever. It would be funny if like one of them was just like Breathe the it. spotlight on her and she was just like, so the other day <laughs> I was Come talking to man. I mean, they show, like, a Reba highlight reel, like, at the concert, you know, from the show. There were definitely, like, little, you know, there was a, like, backdrop transition moment. Yeah, that was actually true. No, yeah, like, I think one of the costume changes, like, took longer than the other ones, like, and they knew that. So they just kind of, like, did hard-cutting montages of, like, the whole cast. And I think, like, the theme song was playing. Yeah. And and it's, like, as I'm describing it, I... It sounds insane. It didn't feel insane at all in the moment. I was like, of course they, of course they do this. Like, yeah. Well, you were like in the the Reba part of your brain. Like you were. Just, yeah, it was exactly. just Reba things were just I mean, happening. To you, and you were like, yeah, I'm fuck Very yeah. rarely not in the Reba part of my brain. <laughs> so, what size venue is is Reba McIntyre playing at very this big. stage in her career? Dickies like, I'm assuming large, yeah, the, right? Like, I would say, how many do you think that holds? Like fifteen thousand. Something like that. Maybe yeah. a little and less, 12,000. Like, and it was sold out. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, she she can draw a very big crowd. And, yeah. it, and it's like, it's because of, it's because she had hits for over two decades, but also because of that acting stuff, I think. It's just like, yeah. she's just a bona fide, like, person that people love. Yeah. Single yeah. name celebrity. Yeah. Um, But... Yes. How did she sound? She sung a little bit in uh, Big Sky, and she sounded good, but it's a well, TV show. Let me tell you, she sounded eerily like yeah. her recordings. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, she sounded extremely good. It was, like, definitely that little too good to be true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, you really, like, you definitely were like, does anybody have some binoculars? This is does not seem like her lips right. are moving at the same pace as. Uh, I mean, she is like an incredible vocalist, but she is like seventy five or something. You know, she's yeah. she's and not she young. was like running around on there. You know, she because yeah. it's like like it's it's kind of like a what you'd expect at like a, a Vegas show. Yeah, you know, totally. so she's it's you kind of 
wouldn't falter if she's like. Yeah, you're mostly going to, like, hang out near her while she wears yeah. like, crazy <laughs> yeah, outfits. exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, But I will say, like, I mean, the song that you probably know by her, most likely, would be Fancy. And when she, I think I've already, like, said You've this already on her recent pod. But, it, I mean, <laughs> it is, uh, it, it was it looks up to the when she did yeah. it. Like, it could not have been, like... The like the place could have like taken off like a spaceship, and I would have thought that was normal. Like, it was it was pretty awesome. That's cool. So, I'm glad. I mean, I'm glad she sounds good still. Like that's I think you know what you would want from a star that's still doing shows at that age is like mostly that it seems like they're doing it because they want to do it and not because they have to do it. Yeah. And then also if they've just like got enough energy and enough sort of like. um seemingly like good vibes about being around people who love their songs and playing mm-hmm. their songs then like it sort of doesn't matter for one thing whether they're actually singing or not <laughs> i mean i think that that's like it's weird you know I, this is obviously it's not reba mcintyre's music but i'm at this stage as an older person where like so many of the shows that i go to are bands like getting back together to play a record right. that they right. 25 years ago and when that doesn't work like when the bands don't enjoy either playing those songs or like standing near each other on a stage it's mm-hmm. like as stilted and unpleasant an experience as you can possibly have seeing yeah. live music yeah. so if she's not delivering that then like she's oh, no. doing yeah. a lot yeah yeah, yeah i mean reba definitely has the energy of like she cannot not be an entertainer. You know, she was clearly, like, destined to do this from day one, and she will never quit, you know, because I think that is, like, the only thing in her life that gives her joy. <laughs> and it's, like, you know, which is, like, fine. That's yeah. that's cool. I mean, like, we've, like, we've talked about on the show many times just, like, the sort of existent, like, the, the consistent question over and over again of watching, like, Reba, Reba shows and movies of, like, is she definitely a bad actor or is she like an, an okay actor and like you know that she's just the whole like since day one she's been like it doesn't fucking matter like, <laughs> yeah, I'm doing this you know you're no one stopping me I'm gonna do this the rest of my life I'm gonna keep being in stuff and it's yeah. and people are gonna watch it yeah. that's definitely the the vibe that you get from from Big Sky like she has to be like intense and a little threatening as this character and there's like she's not trying to do an accent that isn't her own accent she's not trying to like there's any of this stuff where like if she was really like fussing about the craft and she was like i think my hair should be dyed a different color like fuck no absolutely That's definitely not, not her happening, hair is you know? never gonna be a different color right and so she like you know whatever i think i respect that to a certain extent it seems like she um i don't say knows her limitations or whatever but it's also just like knows her value as an entertainer uh does not lie in like a committed method performance definitely <laughs> i mean you know? well it's like i've talked about how like i it, like when i watch her in a scene and occasionally i'm like more impressed i'm kind of like surprised like wow she actually was like good in that scene i wrestle with like could she actually be like a really pretty good character actor in like well-written things and like i think her answer would be like yeah, if the character is Reba, then like, right. they fucking yeah. easily, like, <laughs> sign me up. But, Which yeah. I think is, like, whatever. That's, that's star power, man. I mean, yeah, it is. exactly. So I'm curious about, and I don't want to make you all explain the concept of your podcast to me on the 22nd or 3rd episode. Or I mean, we do it in our free time anyway. But so. I think, right, like, I guess it's good that we're recording it, because it would be happening if we were in the same room. <laughs> Like, what is the the story of this basically is that she was really famous and uh, Roseanne was off the air and they were kind of like, do you want to 
like do a show. I mean, and, I, like, yeah, yeah. I think I think sitcoms were so huge. Family style sitcoms were so. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously they Just were like huge. George Lopez kind of. Thing, that's you know? like, like yeah. That's of... what. That's literally like the comp I make is like. That is the show that, like, they literally are just giving a person a show, and they there's nothing else to it. Like, it's like, in the pitch meeting, it'd be like, well, what do you mean, like, so what do you mean, what's the George Lopez show about? It's about George Lopez and Like, they just, like, stuff. sold this off the words, like, Reba McIntyre's exactly. sitcom, and they were like, all right, well, we'll commit to 50 episodes, but right. better make it good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then, like, somehow, despite those circumstances, it's like, it's more coherent than it needs to be. Like, yeah. because, like, a lot of fucking people watched the show. Yeah. Like, it didn't, like, flame out. Like, people, and, like, weirdly, you will, like, meet people of a certain age that were just like, oh, yeah, I watched every single episode of that. Yeah. Because, like, obviously when you watch it now, it seems stupid, and it is pretty stupid, but, like, then you kind of go back and, like, watch anything that falls under this category that was on mm-hmm. any, like, local... Network You know, TV. network It's, like... It all seems, like, unbelievably dated and weird. And, you know, if it was trying to appeal to families, then it was, like, it's going to sound seem kind of cringe now. But, like, I don't know. I mean, she was... I don't know. Like, you said she was in Tremors. Like, I think it was just, like... I, she had just... I I feel like we looked this up at one point, and now I've forgotten some of the details. But, like, she did a run of Annie Oakley on Broadway, like, in the mm-hmm. mid-90s, and, like... It was really successful, um, and I think that sort of, like, put the idea in somebody's brain of, like, read a TV show, you know? Um, but yeah. And her music career, I will say, at this point, was not what it was, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. by the early aughts, she had kind of, like, begun her downward uh, descent, you know, after a kind of like really, really very high eighties, early nineties peak. Um, and she did have a remarkable renaissance in the late aughts. Highly recommend her 2009 album. But anyway, that's kind of the zeitgeist of the Reba origin. I think. Do you, for you, like, do you have, do you remember any cognizance of the show being on when it was on? I was like aware that it was on. Um, I had just, I mean, this was 2002 was the first mm-hmm. season. So I was out of college. Um, you know, like I, we had like, a, I was living with uh, a couple of friends in an apartment that like had really uneven floors and like bugs in it and stuff. So we weren't really, we had a TV, but it was like, uh, we did not, we did not watch Reba, but I think I knew that it was, <laughs> although the I, idea of all of us getting <laughs> fucking dirtbag hours, like in a post 9-11 New York to be like, we need- well, that's- the warming glow of hearth and home. It's funny yeah, that you mentioned nine eleven because we we talk a lot about nine eleven on this show. <laughs> yeah, good. Because no, the, we'll get to nine eleven. Because Reba yeah, premiered October two thousand one, so, so you know, like, in a really, sort of staunchly yeah, post nine eleven. We kind of like world define define like that post nine eleven world as like Reba. the Reba world. Yeah, yeah. Reba coming in. You know, it's like. Obviously, like, we went, you know, society went where they, where, went where it went post 9-11, and, like, that was, in our opinions, largely shaped by <laughs> the show. <laughs> I will say that if you see this as, like, a manifestation of, like, where things were going in that, like, that first post-September 11th decade, I think of that as being culturally the, you know, maybe this present moment notwithstanding, the absolute low ebb. 
uh, <laughs> like American American life. society yeah. just in general yeah that like everything sucked everything was like really mean and like yeah. kind of like just backwards and cruel and you know whatever like in a way that I think like sort of stood out that there was a lot of like I mean in New York there's the the tabloid sort of stuff. I think that that was like a national problem, you know, that like there's like an upskirt photograph taken of Lindsay yeah. Lohan. And then like the story is like, why did, why wasn't she ready for that upskirt photography? Right. Yeah. What was, what was she on? You know? So like if this as like a, a post nine 11 thing is like relatively wholesome relative mm. to uh, like Dane cook. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. No, no. For sure. We have there. I mean, as you know, there is a segment of the show called Reba what made Reba most like a feminist icon in this episode. So yeah. Which will be very hard for this episode. Yeah. But, uh, (laughs) but yeah, no, we'll get, so why don't we, uh, we should get get, like, we'll have Natalie do as short a synopsis as possible of what happened in this episode. Okay. So baseline info, this episode's called the King and I, um, it aired May 3rd, 2002, two days before the first Cinco de Mayo since 9-11. <laughs> um, you know, which we, everyone really needed yeah. to let loose. You know, basically, yeah. like, a lot of, like, white dudes that had, that were, like, solemnly shit-faced with, like, an American flag, like, uh... Icon uh, on their little lapel. Pen, lapel pin and a, and a sombrero on their head. Removing... <laughs> Respectfully removing their sombrero as yeah. Toby Keith's courtesy of the red, white, and blue comes on. Right. As they tip a dollar twenty-five to the nice right. restaurant that they're at. Right. Yes, um, exactly. But yeah, that, so that's just sort of like we like to set the scene of like where America was at. Exactly. When each episode came on. Do you remember what you were doing Cinco de Mayo 2002? Where where I was when the world stopped turning. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I bet if I cast my mind back I probably could. I was probably not at a Cinco de Mayo party but I will say that like by that time by like May of, of 2002 I was dating the woman that I'm now married to Whoa. I met her on September 11th 2001 oh Whoa, wow. <laughs> we sometimes we get 9-11 stories on here that's a pretty significant one yeah that was like that was a good one um but like in terms of what I was doing I mean like it, it was that whole decade was just a series of me working pretty lousy jobs and doing poorly at it and then um writing unpublishable fiction in my spare time and then just like cultivating a drinking problem (laughs) you know but it was so if i i mean i was probably out i was probably with friends at a bar uh talking about a band that i've long since forgotten and if i like own their cd i haven't listened to it in 20 years i I like how you like tried to make what you were doing sound unique, but it was really like no, I was I was at a Cinco de Mayo party. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, like, no, I was doing the thing. Really. No, right. just it's like you might not have like, like not like seeking it out. Yeah. Like he was like there. But, like, keep in mind, was happening. Keep in mind that like, a lot of shit was going on in my life, but <laughs> yeah. I was doing what everyone else was doing. Well, it was, like, it was like at a bar, and like maybe I noticed that there was like a Modelo special that day. Or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like oh neat. Right, but it's like, like that was about the size. It's basically like take take two thousand two David and like what he looks like and what he's wearing and like what he did like every every night at a bar and just like Photoshop a Modelo instead of a right fucking, yep, like, instead of a fucking high life or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yes, right. exactly. Yeah, no, I mean this is good. We're scene setting for all our listeners. Um, 
scene setting for Reba, who obviously listens. Um, so you all were you all were like literally children when this episode aired. Yeah. I, yeah. I was in. I was in sixth grade. Nice. Yeah. So, so you was, might have yeah. been like watching Reba with your family. I mean, I wasn't, but I could have been. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, uh, I I wasn't either, but I I definitely watch reruns of it once I had agency. My mom re- is not re-runs. the type who would like. Yeah, exactly. Reruns. Mm-hmm. Um. My mom would never stomach Reba. Never in a thousand years. She hates all sitcoms. She hated Friends. She hated everything. She just was like, I'm absolutely not watching any of this. It's so awful. And I was like, Mom, I just want to know what all of everyone's talking about. What everyone's talking about. <laughs> the kids and she's cool. like, no, turn on Antiques Roadshow. <laughs> but, Yeah. Anyway, just a little slice of my childhood. Um, I like that, not to give away too much of what's going to happen in the episode, but I like the idea of you being, like, the youngest daughter coming down dressed entirely <laughs> too adult for school, but you're just wearing a Reba t-shirt, and she's like, young lady, I am not letting you out of this house dressed like that. <laughs> I think, actually, at this point in my life, I probably didn't know who... Well, I guess I knew that the show existed, but that would have been the limits of my understanding that Reba existed, I think. Um... But yes, so, okay, The King and I, 4.7 million people watched this episode, which is a lot of people. Um, as you might guess from the title, this is a prom-themed episode because it's Van and Cheyenne's prom night. Um, Van is a shoe in for prom king. Cheyenne is sad because her prom queen prospects are somewhat uh, lessened by the fact that she's like extremely pregnant by this point. Um, and she's kind of, like, sad about it, and so Van, like, with the help of this random nerdy kid (laughs) who just, like, approaches him in the hallway. (laughs) Propositions him. Yeah, Yeah. basically. In a very intense way. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. We we can get back to him later, but he is, he's a a classic example of a character that just has never actually existed in real life. Right. (laughs) But this, like, nerdy kid comes up to him and is basically, like, Cheyenne once came to, like, cheer for the chess club at their uh, competition, and they've never forgotten that favor. And so he's like, you should rally the nerds to vote for Cheyenne for prom queen, and with their numbers, you know, they'll beat the sort of favorite who is some sort of generic popular popular girl. girl. Um... And the scheme works. Cheyenne wins, but she's, like, not aware of the fact that Van had to, like, sort of bribe all of these, like, nerdy kids by telling them that he would invite them to a party at his house. Um, and she just thinks that she's, like, actually still as popular as she was before she got pregnant. Um, and so she's super excited. But um, then once they get to prom... She kind of puts two and two together because all these nerdy kids are like talking to Van. How oh, she didn't realize it when they were all at their uh, her house, I don't know. Um, yeah, like basically nothing changed. Yeah. <laughs> when she realized it at prom, she just, just kind of it, it just took her moment. took her a little bit. Yeah. Um, but she realized she's really angry at Van because she is embarrassed because she like sort of I don't know thought that it was something that it wasn't. She thought all her friends thought she was cool still, and said it was just all these people she didn't know and didn't care about. Um, but then she goes to her mother, Reba, and Reba's like, okay, but Van did this because he was trying to do a nice thing for you. He tried, he wanted you to win prom queen because he knew it was important to you. And she's like, 
oh, you're right. <laughs> and then her and Van ride off into the sunset, yeah. dancing in Reva's house. It's very cute. In B-plot, uh, the youngest, or the younger daughter, Kira, uh, just is having her moment of dressing like she's yeah. older than she is, I guess, and Reva's not happy about it. She, uh, Kira then gets invited Kira, who's in 7th or 8th grade? She's 13. That's what she we know. gets invited to prom by a, a senior nerd. One of the nerd guys. Yeah. And a, pre- a predator nerd. <laughs> right, exactly. yeah. And who has an excuse that was not corroborated with Van, by Van in the episode. Right. But, uh, but Reba and Brock are furious. They yell at Kira, only to realize later from the senior nerd that she had said no to him. Right. Um, and they're... Reba has to apologize that, like, sorry you were so uh, overprotective because your older sister got pregnant in high school right. and we're taking <laughs> it out on you. Um, also, we don't have any Jake in this episode. No, he doesn't even make an appearance. Yeah, there, there is there, another child. No and, oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yes, I mean, the, the youngest. I saw him in the opening credits. Yeah, right. right. Exactly. No, they he, were like, he was not available. He actually had a movie commitment during this episode. Or I mean, well, I mean, he's, yeah, that can be said for most episodes. This guy is, he does not have to show up at the same time for set. Uh, that everyone else does. I think his call time is at, like, two, and he can get out of there by, like, three. He's, he's got, like, one very loud yell per... yelled line per But he episode. didn't even he didn't have one this. in yeah, this one. probably um, cut. But yeah, so, David, initial yeah. thoughts. Yeah, initial thoughts on the premise and, and, and outcome, premise and or outcome of this uh, episode. So, uh, premise-wise, it did strike me as extremely 2002... <laughs> family sitcom-y stuff just in general um the combination of like the most ancient hoary teenage storyline with the kind of like um of the moment device that they had like sort of shoehorned themselves into where it's like you know babies having babies it's tough (laughs) also like she's getting divorced it's tough and then but like all of the other stuff in it is basically like a 1958 plot right uh Which is, you know, in its way, I think overall, like, I didn't dislike the episode. There is one joke in it that made me laugh, like, legit made me laugh, which was much more than I would have expected. (laughs) And, I mean, coming into it totally cold, I, you know, I think that now that there aren't really that many sitcoms, and the ones that exist are, you know, there's not a whole lot of, like, multi-camera sitcoms with Mm -hmm. these types of beats, I think that I spent enough time watching shows like this that I actually find it very soothing, not necessarily in terms of, you know, loving the gags or caring about the characters or any of the other stuff. It's just like the way that when you hear like a familiar song on the radio, you feel Mm -hmm. like slightly more comfortable than before you heard it. And in this case, it's like, it's the progressions. It's not that I knew any of the notes or any of the gags. Like I recognize some of the actors from, uh, other stuff I'd seen them do but for the most part it was just sort of like knowing exactly where every joke was going was like actually kind of relaxing in a weird <laughs> right. way so and, and, I didn't I didn't hate it you know yeah. like I actually kind of enjoyed the experience it's not a bad way to spend 20 odd minutes give or take commercials yeah no I think that there is that sense of like you go into something like this and the initial beats sort of like whatever like small expectations you have the initial beats like 
bring them even lower. Yes. And that's then... the thing. It's weird because it's like it's super stilted. Like it from right. when it started, I was like, oh fuck, like this is so how many minutes? This is an hour long. <laughs> you know, but then like at some point you sort of catch the flow of it. Like I know how to watch a sitcom that has yeah. these beats. It's just like I haven't done it in a while. Yeah. So it took yeah, there was definitely that sense of like in- initially being like, oh like yeah. kind of like back foot. And like oh. that one, you know, that like every episode has like one to three jokes. Where, like, even if you were trying not to laugh, you probably laughed. And then yeah. you kind of were like, oh, shit, like, that feels good to admit that, like, they, I'm not having a bad time. I mean, I'm you not know? sure which yeah. one was the joke you laughed at, but I will say, probably percentage-wise, for Johnny and I, it's 90% Van. is like, the one who delivers the lines that yeah. are actually funny. Yeah, so I he's, mean, he's probably good. the best actor. Yeah. I have, so this is something else that I should add, I think that is relevant to this, not to be like plugging my own shit, but I do a (laughs) podcast with Jeb Lund where we watch Hallmark movies. And that is a very similar experience of like taking everything that you know about like watching the actual film or TV that you like (laughs) and just burying it as deep as you can and getting into another dumber, more like thuddingly (laughs) obvious part of your brain. And so I actually knew Joanna Garcia Swisher's work from, she's like a pretty regular Hallmark presence right? in that regard. And I was happy to see her in this one. Like she's got a a decent energy. Like, I mean, she's not, I've never seen her do anything like good material, but she's like, you know, bubbly and like sort of hits the right notes and doesn't sound, you know, like a amateur, you know, which is like when you watch enough Hallmark movies, it's like every now and then there's somebody where you're like, wow, this is your, your first time. Yeah. Well, and like you watch those, and you're like, I wonder like what you even do with this writing. Like, do you do you try to like ham it up, or do you just be like, well, what what could what what could one do with this? Yeah, you have to writing. You have to just sparkle. That's the hallmark move. You know, (laughs) is like just try to act amused and don't try to act like you're above it. And then like just because it's a vibe based thing. Like nothing that happens, nothing that's written is like significant. People watch it to be like. To get the experience of sort of like falling asleep on a couch after eating too much. <laughs> That's like the energy that they want to bring to it. Yeah, it, it. Should I say the joke that actually made me laugh? Yes. Yes. All right. So um, I can, I mean, your listeners would know this, but that basically like, so you got your Barbara Jean um, homewrecker uh, yeah. taken up with, with uh, Reba's husband. Brock. I'm yeah. seeing here on IMDb, his name Brock. <laughs> and... <laughs> And she is talking about, you know, what her, you know, my daddy wouldn't, you know, have approved of this. Uh, and Reba said, how would he have felt about having sex with a married man? And she says, he never showed much interest in it. Which is like basically a Marx Brothers gag sort of thing. Like that is just like ancient comedy beats. And yet like, you know, it doesn't necessarily, I don't know if it's like true to character or whatever it is, but uh, greatly enjoyed it. Like that's I, yeah. just delivered properly and it was like you know a nice little one two three gag yeah i mean i think that's like probably the best reba jokes because like you think that they'll leave it on like the laziest joke and so you're like ha ha and like before you're like able to like then like they give you one more that you weren't quite ready for and you're like oh shit that yeah that one kind of got me a little bit i feel like it should be noted that when she says that she's wearing the most amazing sweater with like weird dogs like there's puppy dots and dogs on the sweater so it's really it kind of adds a certain je ne sais quoi yeah the outfits in this are really like (laughs) even for the moment i mean i I remember enough of 2002 to know that like when 
Kira is like underdressed for school. She's like underdressed in a way that was like sort of of the moment. You know, there's a lot of like just belly button in the monitors <laughs> one way or the other. But the others of the adult stuff, like Reba's got some outrageous twin set action going on in this. I thought the joke where they were like, like Kira comes down wearing a twin set and like khaki pants, basically, like when they're having everybody over before prom, all the nerds and Cheyenne and Van. Um, and like you're, her, she's like, see, are you happy to Reba? And Reba's like, yes, you look nice. And she's like, I look like you. And then like it gets sort of carried over to when the nerdy kid who like inappropriately asked Kira out is like, well, she was dressed like an older woman. <laughs> yeah, they actually paid the gag off. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Which, again, is one of those things where maybe, it, it, like, professionals were working on this. You know, yeah. like, it's not the sort of thing where I need to, it's like a dog standing on its hind legs, and you have to be like, look right. at you, who's the tall boy, you know? No, like, but it's I like, like Reba didn't improvise it. For that, like, for all that not wanting to patronize Reba writers, I will say this is one of the funnier ones, <laughs> I think. Yeah. Like, I, I think that more of the jokes paid off in this one than, there. it's in the upper... 10th percentile, I okay. think, I mean, of, of Reba I, I episodes we've seen. A lot of it comes down to, like, there, I mean, you, you kind of need to probably have seen about, like, 10 episodes. Like, you start to realize, like, I mean, maybe you could tell from one episode, but, like, there's definitely, like, a tier of acting quality. Like, th- there are tiers of better actors on this. Like, you know who's a good actor and who's a bad actor. Like, Van is a, a solid actor. Brock is an atrocious actor. <laughs> yep. Like, you know, like, Reba's probably right there in the middle where she just has to ham it up and be... She has to like, just be Reba. Be Reba. Yeah, she like, has to make a lot of, like, sassy faces. Like, yeah. some, <laughs> some of which have, like, almost a Tim and Eric kind of aspect to them. Like, yeah, she's, <laughs> for sure. Like, hitting some Heideckerian notes. I, I mean, she does it sometimes in a way where I'm just like, it is hilarious that you... It's like, you're... They asked you to kind of make a face. I'm sure, like, the, I'm sure, like, the the script said, like, react comically or whatever. And it's like, they were like, okay, I mean, you didn't have to go that far. Like, yeah. like, if you think you look stupid, like, you, we can cut it. And she's like, no, that's perfect. Like, I made, <laughs> I made the goofiest face I could possibly make, and that's perfect. And like, there's a little bit of, like, all right, well, she's supposed to be, like, an embarrassing mom. Like, that's, that works, I guess, you know. Yeah. She, she does the job. So I'm looking at the writing credits for this episode, and mm-hmm. uh, one of the women, uh, there's two people wrote it, a woman named Allison Gibson, who, uh, you know. She's the creator of the show, yes. I think. Yeah. And then the other person is a writer named Gary H. Miller, who was born in 1948, so he was uh, Is that 50... for this episode? Yes. Cause, okay. Because Wikipedia is wrong. Then. Oh, really? That's I'm going off IMDb. Uh, okay. So they have him writing four episodes of this, but he was like a beyond oh, yeah. veteran TV writer at that point. He wrote an episode of Laverne and Shirley. Whoa. Like he'd been in the game for a minute. And so there is definitely this element to it. I think with a lot of these uh, shows of this type, where like periodically you can tell that like somebody who's been in a writer's room for like 40 years <laughs> was involved in it. And I think there's a, there's an element of that. In well, there. The... What does Wikipedia have as the writer on No, it? no, I was looking at the wrong column. You're well, right. The, um... What's the friend's name? The Parker overall. Character. Oh yeah, Lorianne. Yeah, like, Lorianne. You got to see a Lorianne yeah. app, so that's a treat. I and mean, she's she, not in every episode. She kind of like comes in that. and is just like, <laughs> hey, like, I, I could do that. Like, give me a check, and I'm gonna come in here and just fucking kill all these jokes that you're writing. <laughs> like, and you can tell that person you're talking about wrote her jokes. Like, yeah, because they're not like, they're like, 
there are jokes in here that are like plot centric. And none of hers usually really are. No. It's just like, hey, I'm, you know, I'm fucking the meter man. It's like, <laughs> yeah. It's like a big core part of her in this episode. And like, it's completely unnecessary, but it's just like, she's like, yeah, that's, I can do, I can chew up these, the script and kind of spit it out as like horny Reba's friend. Yeah. yeah. This is another thing that Hallmark uh, has taught me to appreciate is like that sort of like just veteran professional day player that comes in and is like oh i'm santa claus all right fine whatever like, where's my beard at and then they can just do the job and like make the stuff actually work uh, you know it's a very valuable uh yeah. skill like you know because you notice it when it's absent you know no, that like for sure. honestly how like... they wound up casting as her husband a guy who is objectively the worst actor in the show i don't know <laughs> yeah no it's it's true i mean he's so He's so bad. I think his like best qualities that he looks like he looks, uh, he looks like a, like like a, a, sub, a suburb suburban Texan basically. Yes, yeah. he like, looks like a Texas dentist. Like and, this is yeah, like exactly. Buddy Garrity and origins. He is, like right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. he's from Dallas, as we know. So we hate to like you know mock yeah. one of our own since mm. that's where we're living. But yeah, yeah, he's. I mean, he's no, he's the shame of Dallas for sure. Uh, <laughs> I, I was just thinking as, like, David was talking, like, I wish David, like, this is a good episode. I wish David had gotten, like, this was a Cura, like, a weird, like, Cura vulnerable episode. Yeah. But, like, like, you don't understand. This this girl is meant to be the, like, sassy comedic relief in the show on every other episode. She acts as Lorianne in, like, 90% of the episodes when Lorianne is not like, present. She could be, she could, like, all her lines in, like, other episodes could be delivered with, like, a cigar in her mouth. Like, <laughs> she is doing, like, Mel Brooks humor where just, like, <laughs> like Cheyenne, like, kind of is like, I, you know, like, I've got a big math test and, like, you know, and my I'm having a bad hair day and, and like, she just, like, delivered, like, Kara would be like, like, somebody get this bitch a, like, <laughs> like, like, a cup of coffee. It is so funny. Like, she's just sitting there, constantly sitting, like, doing her homework and just roasting the entire family. Yeah. It's, uh, like, basically the tone in which she said, like, um, when she was, like, at your age, or if, if Cheyenne had been asked to the prom at your age, like, she would have gone. And Kara was like, she did. Yeah. Like that that tone is how she delivers every other line in the show, but they kind of yeah. gave her a they like, gave her a B plot here. Yeah. So like every six episodes, they'll be like, "Hey, just remember, she act, she isn't like a sixty year old man; she's a thirteen year old girl." Right. Yeah. The tuba thing also that's from like seven episodes ago. They just picked that back up that she plays tuba. Yeah. Again, the sort of gag where I was aware that that had been. Like, I think that, you know, it was intended as a joke, but I was sort of, you know, making a mental note. And I was like, all right, yeah, tuba practice, good. But then you're sort of like, oh, the funny instrument. They pick yeah. the funny Like, your trombone ensemble, like, you, you have your yeah. rehearsal later today. Like, it's... <laughs> yeah. But yeah, the, uh, that, again, you know, whatever. Like, you notice it in its absence, the idea that, like, somehow this became a sitcom thing at some point, that, like, there's one kid that is just basically Don Rickles <laughs> yeah, in exactly. a lot of family yeah. sitcoms. It's like, sure, there's, whatever. Yeah. And there's one it's kid not like who, it doesn't work. And one kid who's, like, in the family, like, periodically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like a child I, who is seemingly yeah. on long business trips a lot <laughs> right, of the time. Right. Yeah. I mean, in the last episode, there was a moment where they actually left Jake at the house. Like, they literally forgot about him, which was kind of, like, a good, you know, maybe it was a meta critique that yeah. they were doing of their own, like, sort of continual rejection of yeah. Jake. They did, like, like they, like, ran, they, like, ran to the hospital because, 
Robert James giving birth, and they kind of did like the oh yeah, like, the kid that we don't like, we got to go get him. Like, right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you have to let him hit the like the Catherine O'Hara uh, Kevin exactly. line, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it just cuts to him doing the the, the McCoy Culkin phase. Yep. <laughs> um, okay, I feel like we should get to our categories because okay. we've already kept David for quite a long time. Yeah. Um, so I got nothing but time for the <laughs> watchables. It's all right. Yeah, we're yeah. The the audience doesn't know we're recording back to back episodes. As soon as this ends. Um, So we'll get to the first one. The first one is, like, it's the J.R. Smith Award for the character who makes the big blunder but is still lovable. So this is, like, I mean, I was thinking of this, like, right before David came on. Like, obviously, not obviously, but to some some crossover listeners, like, this sounds like an unoriginal award. It sounds like we took it uh, from the podcast that we're making fun of. (laughs) Which has a Dion Waiters Award. Uh, And, you know, and so it's, like, I w- you know, I'm not going to address that. Yeah, I don't think I never have and I never will. I'll just say that, like, dignity. I'm pretty sure that podcast started that award after I, in collaboration with David and our mutual friend Alex, did a column celebrating J.R. Smith and Dion Waiters in a way that they then stole from us. Yep. No, so really, just, you, own reclaim, this you know, I'm reclaiming it. Yeah, honestly and Alex owns some of it as well yeah which is exactly <laughs> and Alex will not be on the spot has, have you ever talked to Alex about being on a podcast no uh, I mean he's a, I've talked to him in real life and he's a delightful conversationalist but I also if he was just sort of like no I don't do that that's very principled honestly. he's like he's, I've said like I think I don't it's I know it's come up and he his like exact words were were I think my voice is weird and so I don't do that Okay, well, it, literally everyone thinks so. Yeah, this is yeah. Weird. That's kind of like the human condition. So I kind of think we're going to get him on at some point. Good, right. Well, I encourage him to join. This experience has changed my life. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because now you're going to watch like every episode of right. yeah. yeah, it just took away. Yeah, it changed your life. Well, it gets back four hours life. later, and yeah. she's like, you're still watching that episode of Reba? And I'm like, no, I'm in season three. <laughs> Look, we've had that happen with other guests, okay? You wouldn't be the first to get... We had, like, one of our guests, like, reach out. She was like, okay, I want to come back on, but I'm, like, on season two, episode 16. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, well, you're way ahead of us. We had recorded, like, one more episode <laughs> since then. Uh, see, if the, if the Reba pill takes, I'll let you know. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's definitely... Uh, it's, it's a big pill to it's, swallow. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's slow release, also. Look, yeah, so, like, <laughs> large, chalky... <laughs> Okay. All right. Okay. So, to, to the extent that you understand what this award is, yes. do you have a nomination? Yes. I mean, I think is it always is it Van in every it's, episode? It's Van it's in all, many, I would many say episodes. Eighty-five to ninety percent of the episodes <laughs> are Van. Yeah. Pretty likable character, honestly. Yeah. Like this was a, definitely a like a TGIF type that there'd just be like sort of a bruiser teenage idiot with a heart of gold. That was yeah. like a, a big tropey thing. I recognize this guy from. Uh, the Shameless. Yeah. 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 Where, so he's like all like people, buffed up now. Pretty show, it seems like. Yeah. I, Shameless, I do not like the show. Uh, really? It's just on all the time. Um, but he's like, like obviously a pro. Like he's, and as a lovable dunce in this, I think he, uh, he re- you believe that he is a lovable dunce. Yeah. No. I would, I would almost make the argument for Reba as one. the J.R. Smith. Because she's the one, like, 
she's not trusting her daughter enough. Like, her blunder is more of a blunder. Van, like, did a nice thing, and Cheyenne kind of, like, took it the Didn't wrong way. Didn't acknowledge it. Yeah. yeah. That's, like, that's true. That's yeah. my I kind think, of... And she, it. like... I, it was like we could also give it to Brock, who is terminally more deserved. Well, he's less. But he didn't do anything so. to like redeem himself, really. Yeah, that's I mean, true. like yeah. I would say, like it was weird, and it was like only there are these things in the show, and I guess like most sitcoms where like there there's a thing that's kind of weird about what a character's doing, and you think it's gonna be like more, you think it's gonna be like the crux of the episode, mm-hmm. and then it's like sort of like barely explained and makes you wonder why it was included and like she this is not quite that but like she was in the beginning of the episode Reba was very like kind of like rudely telling her she's not gonna win like over and over yeah I know and it was kind of like I don't really understand why you're doing that like it's pretty mean and like and like I know you think this is yeah a she was like stop it you stupid pregnant girl you're yeah, not yeah. gonna win prom queen and it's like living like, in a dream you're... world where you're not pregnant right <laughs> And it's like, yes, her daughter's in a unique situation, but, like, why wouldn't you handle it the same way you would handle, like, your anybody when their daughter was, like, up for something like this? You'd be like, okay, like, yeah, like, you would basically just be encouraging and then, like, console them if they didn't win, you know, instead right. of just so I was like, a little confused by that win. myself, because it seemed, and I didn't know, again, like, what... Uh, Reba's character, you know, because I hadn't seen the previous 19 episodes, so I didn't know everything that was going on. I was able to figure out, you know, who was pregnant. Right. Uh, like, just from picking up visual <laughs> yeah. and stuff. You could have, yeah. You, right. You, even if pretty, it was on mute. I think. Pretty yeah. sharp. Yeah, but the, in this case, like, I thought that she was supposed to be, like, dealing in home truths there, yeah. but it did also come across as being, like, instead of, like, shooting straight with a, a kid who needs to hear the truth, there was an element where it's being like, look at you, you're as big as a fucking house. Are you serious? <laughs> you know, which is like, uh, rude, you know? Right, like, right. And, well, then it was, them, it was alluded yeah. to later that like, that it that she was that way because her prom was so bad. Mm-hmm. Because like, she didn't get asked out yeah. the prom and she took her cousin. But then like, if that were the reason in in sitcom fashion, you would think that that would then be, like, part of the resolution. Right. Of her being, like, you know, like, I'm sorry that I, like, doubted, you know, or yeah. that I, I was kind of, like, projecting onto you. But it was just, like, it, it was almost... I mean, sometimes we excuse these moments, Natalie and I, by just being, like, well, to be fair, that's, like, extremely real. Like, having no reason to be shitty to someone. And then <laughs> yeah. and you just are. And because there isn't even a reason, you don't like, explain it in apology, you just, like, start being nice to that person. Like, that's, like, ultimately, like, that is how life works, is you just yeah. kind of, like, course correct. Yeah, and I think she does sort of, I guess she does get to sort of have that lesson at the end of it, because, like, the last bit that you see is, uh, you know, I don't think we're spoiling the episode, but it is, <laughs> you know, you got your Van and Shan have, like, had their reproach mod, and, like, Reba's just watching it from the other room, like, oh, okay. Yeah, which I, was pretty creepy, as that, yeah. Johnny noted. Like, why was she just staring at them? Yeah, yep. it, like, I was like, in any <laughs> other, like, show or movie, it would have been, like, she saw it through that little window, and then she kind of, like, turned and is, like, you know, out of sight, and you see her smile. Right. But she just, like, kept staring at them and smiling. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm going to watch you guys dance the whole yeah. time. Like <laughs> yeah, she's like, that's my daughter. Yeah, <laughs> yep, he got her pregnant. They I definitely wanna... have had sex. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I feel like one thing I want to note about Reba's other blunder with Kira and her sort of, like, 
overbearing parenting. Um, like, I was glad that we didn't get, like, a full circle resolution, you know, of Kira being like, okay, I've learned my lesson, Mom, you know, because yeah. there's a whole little, you know, sort of heart-to-heart with the two of them, and Reba's like, but this boy liked you, like, it, and it didn't matter what you were wearing, and it's like, well, one, he was a nerd, so, yep. yeah, that's <laughs> kind of, Ew. like, the central <laughs> And then Kira's like, yeah, imagine how well I'm going to do when I dress the way I want to. And her mom's like, wait, what? Yeah. Um, no. So I was kind of glad we just had her still being like a regular teenager. Yeah. You there know? was like a him. There was like an implication of like, yeah, no, I mean, she's going to be a, a girl. Like she's going to be yeah. a 13 year old girl who doesn't do what you say. That's fine. Yeah. Like as long as she feels good about herself, it's right. fine. But um, yeah, so let's let's move, move on. on to most Usually the easiest category. <laughs> uh, I've already touched on Most it. incongruous <laughs> moment, you know, and this can be, like, really small. It can be, like, a, a whole scene, or it could be just a literal line. Um, I definitely have... I have one, but... Uh, you're, Natalie, you want to go first? Do you have anything? I don't have anything off the top of my head. David, oh, what do you what, what do you think? So, there's a, a couple of things that are... You know, again, as we said, like, the good jokes kind of stand out as sore thumbs. I don't know if this is... Uh, where Johnny's going or not, but the the moment where Dennis Dugan approaches Van in the <laughs> this hallway, is my, yeah, as a, no, so 100%. as just a grown man, like yep. as basically like a weird, like a Bruno Kirby character. Yeah, no, <laughs> for sure. Or from like he would be like like a weird plot developing character in like a Robert Redford film, where it's just like oh, like don't you know there are, there are like corrupted people in this world, you know, yeah. just like approaching them. To be like, let me show you what like life's really like. And yeah. Like, what? Well, Why? and it seems like that should like the way like you're saying it's so like kind of weird and creepy the way he approaches that like you would think it would pay off with some like offer to sort of hijack the election or something you know yeah. some way to like hack into the mainframe and he's like we can do a deal you know I'm a nerd so I know about you know sort of doing nerd shit like right. fixing Chess, elections. computers, yeah. Yeah, exactly. economic <laughs> infrastructure, <laughs> nerd shit, you know. Yeah. Right. And so I thought that's what he was going to do. Like, Van's like, oh no, I couldn't possibly. And then he's like, but think of how happy Cheyenne will be in his like creepy voice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, I mean, it, it, it is the, like a thing that happens in like sitcoms. I mean, honestly, like forever. Like even now, I assume. It's like that thing where like a adult writers are writing kids. Yes. And, and they're writing kids, and when they need to advance the plot, they write the kids like they're adults. And it's funny because, like, and, and what they're thinking is, like, we're going to make that, that will be funny. We're going to make it funny because, like, the people watching will will understand that the type of adult that this kid is like. And that is true to the actual adults, but the kids that are watching this have never even encountered this type of person mm-hmm. in yeah. real life or in media. So it's just like, what? Why? I don't like, you know, like if you're, if you're 13, you're like, there isn't a kid like that at my yeah. school. Like, is there, or like there, if you're younger than that, you're like, Am I, is there going to be a kid like that in high school? Like, yeah, see, that... that's, that part of it, I really like that idea. The idea of, because again, you know, as somebody who is a, like a, verbose small person at that stage <laughs> in my life the idea of like watching this as a kid and being like maybe i'll just be that <laughs> like right. maybe i'll be the guy that like i mean he talks seems, he had a plan right 
And like, yeah, but I'm like sort of somehow communicating with people like fucking Robert De Niro and Angel Heart. Like I'm like, <laughs> me, like pretty obviously the devil, but like it's going to get revealed later in the story. That's how I approach people as a 14 year old boy or whatever. But you know, the, that part of it, I will say that it's like, it's not, it's kind of a brick, like effectively, you know, like when you're watching it and stuff, but the concept as you're i think you're correct in assessing that this was just basically an adult being like whatever fuck it i have no idea what teenagers are like <laughs> uh, so like he talks like a billy wilder character and he's like look around you friend you know but like that's okay like you know like that's you could be worse like it's better than him like hitting a bunch of instantly dated slang and stuff and taking you all the way out of it mm-hmm. i mean he does tee up van for like some really great jokes like it was all like the one where he's like you know you need to reach out to the people who are alienated which again is like a very weird thing for Ken to say and van is like they're here illegally yeah well, and <laughs> and the we it started off with like a a Bobby Fisher searching for Bobby Bobby Fisher Fisher reference and it was like it was like his first line as if like when you meet someone you just like do references yeah and Van is like I don't follow because you know like nobody's following you know Van is not the only idiot in the room and it's it's not like Bobby like searching for Bobby Fisher was like it, it was a good like decade before this episode it's not like it was like you know recently had come out what if you were a 54 year old veteran sitcom writer and you were writing it though not bad yesterday yeah yeah no it was uh it and he didn't he he like literally just advanced that plot like he was at the party but it, it wasn't really like like you you'd think that like that character would have more payoff but it was just like no i wanted to come to a party so I, right. made, I made it happen yeah right. exactly and, and the party like seemed like it sucked also. yeah you know if i were a nerd which i was you know if some like popular kid had sort of created a whole scheme in which i like did them a favor and got invited to their house i would be pretty disappointed yeah but... you'd do like go through all the work of being a trickster god and then you're <laughs> yeah. fucking right. a bowl full of ruffles <laughs> yeah. that's your yeah, reward yes. And with the parents in the room. With the you know, parents like, hanging around. Like, like threatening your friends. Right? Like, I mean, both parents doing it. It's also, like, the kind of, like, fundamental flaw in, like, the sort of, like, conceit of that dynamic is that, like, it, like in the whole process of it happening, Van is made to seem like such a nice guy. Right. It's kind of like, I don't know, man, it kind of seems like you could have just, like, asked if you could come to, like, if you could ever hang out with him. Like, it seems like he would have said yes, you know? Because, yeah. like, he didn't, he, like, there wasn't, like, a, ah, but I don't want to have them over. He was like, oh, you're gonna, like, you're gonna, like, vote for my wife and you want to come hang out at my house? Like, sure, yeah, come yeah. on. Sure. But also he does, like, hammer home the, like, I'm the most popular guy in school thing. They sort of, like, give him a little bit of, like, villain job yeah. cred. With, oh, yeah. With those also, lines. like, I mean, I hate to go on a tangent, but, like, it is insane if, we don't bring it up with David that so a huge core conceit of this entire show is that Van is the team's best football player. Mm -hmm. He's like taking them to state. He's taking them to state. So like every, if he doesn't play in a game, they will lose guaranteed. He got a full scholarship right, uh, offered at USC Pete Carroll the, era USC. The, wow, yeah. And, we, we, we had this discussion right. last week. Yeah, this is like Reggie Bush. Like you're just like figuring and, out who he would have played with. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I like that idea. And, but no, this is the most important part, Dave. He's a cornerback. 
Oh, see that? That's <laughs> incorrect. I like, lose, yeah, no, I like lose sleep over it. It's insane. Like, so the, not, <laughs> he's like canonically a shutdown D back, mm-hmm. like he, whatever <laughs> five star prospect type. Yeah, yeah, wrong he, body type. He's got he, this he's wrong body type. Also, right. he's white. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, but you know, we're old. In, at the time, if, if you, I don't know, you guys were children and stuff. In two thousand two, all of America had Jason Seahorn fever. I was about to say, <laughs> I know, I have definitely referenced Jason Seahorn, uh, but he was a safety, correct? Uh, Seahorn. I, I thought he was. A, I'm gonna look him up. I Maybe. remembered him as a, a like cover guy but yeah he, he actually might have been a safety i'm looking but, it up now no he's a cornerback oh okay. yeah he was a wow. cornerback. Okay. football cornerback yeah i mean uh, and jason seahorn played at usc so i guess the uh, whole idea here is that basically this is a jason seahorn a jason seahorn man k yeah. it would be yeah. funny if you were like you're looking up you're like yeah he's a cornerback and he went to usc and he knocked up his high school uh, <laughs> says here on his pro football reference page that he was the most popular kid ever <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> In Sugarland, Texas? Yeah, wow, Sugarland. Yeah, but it is, it's just a great, I mean, it's incredibly specific if that was indeed the reference point, you know, and just like stands out as sort of an incredible anomaly. Yeah, you know? it's it's very, fun. I mean, it's so funny in these episodes where like, like there, there literally is an episode where he's not going to play and it's a, like a full on town crisis because <laughs> there's just no, like they're going to. Like the 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 basic premise is he they will get obliterated if he doesn't play and they will win by thirty if he does play <laughs> because and he doesn't play offense he's just a cornerback so it's just wow. like, is it just like pick six constantly like yeah. I mean this is like De- like Deion Sanders yeah. like level impact maybe they were playing a team that had like Roy Williams on it or something like I'm trying to think of who <laughs> like what was going on in like 2002 right. yeah you know that it's just sort of. Whatever that winding up with like an against an Odessa Midland team, yeah, like, you know, there's a exactly. bunch of guys in there that they're just gonna Only light us up. They're gonna go over the top. Him. Yeah, yep. But yeah, so we just figured we had to share that. Um, no, I appreciate it. It's always nice to get the opportunity to look up Jason C. It's <laughs> it's for work. It's yeah. for the Reba watchables. Right. We'll just leave that tab open in case yep. I need to reference it. Yeah, <laughs> I got to call him to write next week. Uh, <laughs> So um, then we got um, next category would be this one is going to be hard, but the moment I when uh, Reba could be seen as a feminist icon, I would say she was pretty decidedly not feminist yeah. for the yeah, majority was, of this episode. She was pretty anti feminist in this episode. A little disappointing, David. This is not the way that she is all the time. Sometimes so she's she has. Usually... Some more of a go girl, like feminist. <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah. she has her moments of being like. No, it's not fair for a woman to be judged in X, Y, Z ways, you know, in the sort of broadest possible sense, but right. in ways that you can interpret in like a, like, hey, America, yeah, like, this, it doesn't have to be this way. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I would say, despite the fact that she sort of does some classic, like, conservative <laughs> mom slut shaming, yeah. you know, um, taboos, at least taboo in our community, um, she does, I mean, I am just going to point to her conversation with Lorianne, you know? Because, um, like, Lorianne is just kind of, like, going on and on about her sexual exploits in front of all of Reba's children, <laughs> you know, which could be bad. But Reba's, like, really kind of, like, nonplussed by all of it. It's definitely, like, a, oh, there she goes again. But she's not, like, 
you're such a slut. She was like, I can't believe you tried to seduce a priest, you know, with the sort of like reasonable amount of incredulity, I think. Um, She's setting an example by being best friends with someone who is (laughs) openly sexual. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That this should, this woman cannot be. Yeah, exactly. Sex positive, Mm -hmm. normalizing, you know, doing what you want as a single, liberated, sardonic, winking divorcee, you know? You got to explain to your 13-year-old that, like, Lorianne, she's got to get it in. (laughs) Yeah. You have to understand. (laughs) When you're uh, Lorianne's age, you can fuck the meter man. Yes. <laughs> but until then, until then, I want you, you pull that skirt down. Shirts. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, and I did pick a Reba song, which I will summon briefly to pair with the episode because I did think that last scene it was a little bit sweet. I found I felt you know some sincere emotion from Van and Cheyenne. No, I agree. Like I, I said this to you. I was I have like a soft spot for, like, the idea of, like, a, a teenager or a young person, like, not having FOMO in the face of, you know, they're just yeah, like, no, about prom. actually, yeah. like, this is where I want to be. I'm yeah. happy with what, because, like, so much of, like, high school angst is just kind of, like, a constant fear of what people are doing and what they're thinking and what they're saying. And so mm-hmm. it's just like, oh, like, look at them. Like, they're just, this is going to be, you know, presumably their future and they're happy. Like, that's, that's yeah. nice. So the song I picked is called You Must Really Love Me. It is from Reba's Sweet 16 album, which is one of the ones where she's wearing a really kooky outfit. David, yeah, I would suggest you Google it. I would yeah, for your, definitely for your look up the Sweet 16 album cover. Because um, it's one of the iconic ones. She's full mullet. She's full 80s, like, Oh my gosh. Outfit. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Is, she's dressed like, a, like Sheena Easton or something. Like, this is a really strange... <laughs> But the haircut is incredible. Yeah, the haircut, like, that's like a topiary. You know, like that's yeah. been sculpted. And the smile is just like, the smile <laughs> as if she's not dressed crazy is kind of the cherry on top. Yeah. I think people also, you know, there's a lot of, people talk about the, you know, this era as being sort of defined by a, a cocaine aesthetic. <laughs> and that wasn't only like a New York and LA thing, sure. obviously. Yeah. That like if you got to Nashville, like, if there's clothing <laughs> like this there, then there's also yeah. uh, powders, powders yeah. and pills in the mix as well. The, well, the original Cocaine and Rhinestones. Exactly, yes. There's uh, quite a popular country music podcast called Cocaine and Rhinestones, as it happens. Yep. You know, if you if you ever want to dive deep into that world. Um, but yes, the song is called You Must Really Love Me, like I said, and it's very sweet. You know, it's just kind of like, you're sticking by my side no matter what. You must really love me. And that's kind of the energy I feel like Cheyenne is bringing, you know? Like, she realizes that Van, like, sort of went to all this trouble to do a nice thing for her. Um, and that is a nice indicator of his loyalty. Um, and the song is co-written by none other than Reba McIntyre, which is something of an anomaly in her catalog, and Don Schlitz, who, for those who are not country music nerds, wrote The Gambler. Um, so he's like a kind of iconic country songwriter um, and a very good one. And I actually saw him speak at NYU. Um, so yeah, basically I am connected to this song. Circle is complete. But yeah, it's a nice song. I, I enjoy it and you all might too. Okay, so last one, punching up a Reba joke. Yeah, I mean, pretty self-explanatory is there 
a way the joke that didn't land could have landed, a joke that was funny could have been funnier, and then, like, we always kind of, like, leave the cop out of, like, that, you know, because the show is so flawlessly written, uh, <laughs> there's a the cop out of you just pick best joke. But this this exists, David, because, like, when there is a reba, reboot, a reba boot, yeah. Natalie and I expect to be in, in the writer's the writer's room. room. Yeah. So like this is kind of like a living test of like this is our portfolio basically. <laughs> but you're gonna you're gonna be writing it for like <laughs> I think of wait, so who if they were to if there were to be a Reba boot <laughs> presumably you wouldn't have like Reba would be in it, but she'd be like somebody's aunt or whatever. Like would you have who would be the is it like Casey Musgraves? Like oh, <laughs> yeah. no, she it, would never. It would have to be someone like way so much more. Courtier. Like yeah, God, who would it? That's a good question. Like I never, we've never thought about it like that way. If like yeah, they if they picked another it, country oh, star, there's probably a great answer that. I feel like it could be like Trisha Yearwood, maybe. But like that's true because like Reba was like you said past her yeah. moment when Reba came out. I don't know. I mean, it could be like Miranda Lambert, Carrie My Underwood. Dream World. Yeah, yeah, Carrie Underwood's probably a good. A good candidate, but she's not. She doesn't really have that like country country vibe, especially not at this point. Yeah, but I feel would, like... I think has a, a show on the Food Network. Yeah, she has uh, a cooking show. Yeah, but so I've seen transitions of it. It's one of those like it's like Paula Dean recipes without the the <laughs> body horror aspects of watching Paula Dean. But there's a lot of just, like flipping through like idly during the day and just watching like beloved country star Trisha Yearwood spike an entire stick of butter into a ripping hot pan and be like, good luck. But, yeah, that's great. The, like, body double like takes a small bite of it, you know, yeah, like, right. as she just leaves and cashes her check. Yeah, yeah, it's not bad work if you can get it. So I think we already talked about the joke that I liked the most, mm-hmm. which I think is, like, legit a good sitcom joke, like, no notes on that. Yeah. Right. The only bit that I could have imagined improving upon in this show, and it's really, it is, as you said, difficult uh, <laughs> to do that, is uh, taking um, trickster deity Dennis Dugan and <laughs> really turning the dial to the right yes. and having him be, like much much more verbose like even weirder than he is like have him communicate not just like a strange older man but like a a supernatural being (laughs) yeah no yeah (laughs) well and you know the actor had the chops for it i mean he he showed that much he could have turned it up even further like yeah he could have done a uh oh god what's the name of the character from uh the actor in Back to the Future that is, like, insane, was on Letterman. Oh, Crispin Glover. Yeah. Yeah, Chris, like, he could have, like, done a Crispin Glover-esque performance. <laughs> yeah, the thing that I always think of is, like, the example of this. It's not a thing, like, Seinfeld did it a little bit, but the Philip Baker Hall performance as Bookman, the library detective, where he tracks that. down Jerry uh, oh, for an overdue book. and I remember the episode. I don't remember so the guy. That I highly recommend it. The late Philip Baker Hall, great actor, died right. uh, last year. And it's not like one of his great performances. It's good. It's just mostly like he's a really good actor. And the material that they wrote for him is basically him showing up and saying just like Raymond Chandler shit to a version of Jerry Seinfeld that is forever about to start laughing and wearing like just the biggest puffiest of videos. <laughs> no acting chops whatsoever. But like anything that is like that complete mismatch of tone right. uh, within a scene is like a hundred percent success rate for me. That just yeah. always works. No, I think that makes sense. It's like 
and Van is so ready to like riff on it, as we yes. saw with the way he sort of like took the took on the jokes that he was given from the like sort of mediocre version of the nerd character. You know, there was also the one where he was like, "Yeah, that's a tall order," and he was like, "Well, I'm tall." Yeah, <laughs> like I, you know, well, it's, it's like easy, the, but the it was good enthusiasm, <laughs> which like he, he, it's like it is all acting with that one. Like, not a great line, but him just being like, "Oh, that's perfect," because I am tall. Like, the way <laughs> yeah. he like yeah. has that golden retriever energy of just like right. you know, like uh, we've talked about this too, but he's like Mr. Peanut Butter vibe. Yeah, Mr. Peanut Butter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which um, is you know, again, that's not that is skill too. Like, I mean. Yeah. I it's probably like that but it is like when the material is not there to be able to like say the bad lines you have in a way that makes them seem like they should be good is like that's what it's all about man it's like that is sitcom acting 101 like and yeah yeah he's whatever so he did a good job with it but i would have liked you know more of a like look around you friend what do you see in this hall yeah and it kind of like begins to corrupt a band but he doesn't understand it enough to right. actually yep. like <laughs> yes but I would say like so I'm I would mine kind of like builds off that and it's it's the opposite side of the coin is like so I would just say that I I expected a callback as like a short final scene of we got this thing of of as part of the condition for everyone voting for Cheyenne Van invited all these people to this party and he joined the debate team and it just seems like you're so you're really not going to give me a short scene i had it all in my head it's like we had this moment where like they uh one of the nerds like you you said it earlier one of the nerds is talking to barbara jean and he's like talking about the economic like infrastructure of a country (laughs) and And, she just walks away and she like walks away and that was like honestly pretty funny and i think it would be so perfect if just like you just cut to van like a week later and he's debating some like nerds at another school and he's just like so like if you look at what they did in venezuela and like, all that and he's just like destroying them and, and he's like he's like like he's talking about like why socialism needs to come to america and, right. like, and they're like the judges are like like give him i don't know how they is scored but yeah like they put a t- like it's a dunk contest like, uh, and uh that would be that would be like my i'm kind of like you don't even have to change anything. You can just add that scene, and, yeah. and it's bumping this episode from a uh, from an A plus to an yeah. A plus plus. Yeah, I was obviously. gonna say, yeah. like, really, like it's hard to find room to improve it. The, right. it's telling yeah, exactly. That the only thing we can come up with is, I wish it was longer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> wish it had you know how all the scenes, scenes were perfect. What if there was one more perfect scene? Mm. <laughs> Uh, okay. Well, David, you've already been so generous with your time. We don't want to take too much more of it. But I appreciate it. Thank you so much for coming on Reba Watchables, for taking a step into the Rebaverse, you know. Um, where should... Do you have anything you want to plug? Let's, Hallmark let's Podcast. Hallmark yeah. Po- yeah, also, and there's some Reba Hallmark movies, too. Well, yeah, it's so Lifetime. I'm, oh, shit, Surprised Lifetime. I haven't... Oh, she seems like she might have done both. I Dolly Parton do has done both. Okay. Uh, I know. And... Although Hallmark might be one of those things where there's like an exclusive deal. There's not yeah, always not that much be. crossover. You know, I think she's done works. a multi-movie deal with Lifetime. We watched a Lifetime Christmas movie and a Lifetime... I'm pretty sure it was Lifetime. I and mean, a Lifetime normal movie. I will say, like, I don't know if it's just kind of like you can't break the rule on your podcast, but her Hallmark... No, Lifetime Christmas yeah. movie... You guys really should consider doing it. I mean, it, was it, very it is 
like you will. You, it's for the troops. You two will troops, and then you two will fully just like melt down watching it. <laughs> Bizarrely, I have found that the Lifetime movie product is in general much better than the Hallmark movie. Yeah. So what you're describing, like, like, I've seen the sense. Hallmark version of this, and it made me want to fucking die. <laughs> One of these things where it's like the Battleship Christmas, and you're like, no, absolutely not. I'm not gonna like, watch it. No, this one was like, you, it was insane and it was horrible, but like every so often you like, it did make you wonder like, is it possible they're self-aware? You know, yeah. like, it be, like there were, cause there was a full on moment where the general is just like talking to Reba and he's just like, wait till I tell the troops about this. Yes. And like he is talking about like the entire United yeah. States military. Yeah. He's notified the troops about Reba. He's just, we were talking about it. I remember when we, we were like, does he have a reply all kind of thing? Like, you know, yeah, does yeah. he just like list serve military? Hitting the at channel on the troops yes. slack. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, first of all, thank you for having me. Um, it it was a pleasure course. to watch and to discuss it with you. Um, yeah, I don't know. In terms of stuff to plug, uh, defector.com is the website. Uh, the Distraction is the podcast I do with Drew McGarry there, and It's Christmas Town is the Hallmark podcast I do uh, with Jeb Lund. Um, you can like, rate, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or whatever the nice. the verbiage is supposed yeah. to be there. But yeah, right after uh, Hallmark they podcast like, rate, is... and subscribe our podcast. Yes, <laughs> give it. Like, I think in the same way that we only wanted uh, another episode, another, uh, another, you know, few more jokes to extend this episode and make it longer, I think that anybody, if you're rating this, give it six stars. <laughs> yeah. And same with your Hallmark podcast. Oh, yeah, please. I think that's, right. we and deserve nothing less. to The Defector. Yeah. 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 Do that. I, so, uh, yeah, the Defector thing is always the one that it's, like, hard to, plug in a way that doesn't feel sweaty but yeah that's the real the real work like <laughs> not that the hallmark podcast isn't important, important. i mean hallmark i just podcast, don't get health insurance from it is all you know well maybe someday you know yes. in a better world you right know? um i think for the sort of reba watchables fan base a hallmark podcast does sound like very neat sort of crossover um well, maybe we'll do a crossover app if she I was going to say, like, we sure. should, if we can find a Reba one, we would love to have you on. Uh, like, or I think what that if, would what be... What if we just did, like, a, like, back when the sitcoms used to do, like, Bizarro World, like, <laughs> like, Natalie is on with David and I'm on with Jeb, and we're just kind of, like, <laughs> like not, you know, just like, whoa, they live yeah, in I the think same that, universe. Like, that's what people like. I mean, most of, because, like, I think as a podcast, it's whatever it's fine as a cinematic universe <laughs> with its own rules and headcanon yeah, it's right. a really valuable problem yeah. Much, yeah. <laughs> much like the the podcast we are making fun of like this is it, it's the strength of the sum you know like the the it's not about having a good podcast it's you know i've never listened to the podcast that that you are making I mean, fun I of? haven't either. But it was just basically, like, I came up with the name. I was, like, talking... I was... Basically, I was recapping an episode of Reba to Johnny over the phone. This was, like, before we had met in person. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and, and listeners, we are getting married. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say. Um, You're, like, trying to was, break out the A game. <laughs> it took, like, half an hour. <laughs> and so Johnny was like, this should be a podcast. Yeah, fellas, you gotta put in the work if you really want to. Uh... Shut up! You 
you loved it. Yeah. Um, and so, and then I was just like, it just came to me, you know, like an apparition, Reba Watchables. Yeah. And so, you know, the rest is history. It's basically. much better than just like talking about rounders every yeah. year. Yeah. Slightly <laughs> like, different group of guys. I gotta, it's, it's, what we're doing is not remotely original and it's somehow like a hundred times more original than just being like, you know how there's movies? Yep. Uh, you know the movies that are like always on? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Like, the things, because there's not, like, original program on any cable channel now, so, like, you know how, like, MTV just shows Horrible Bosses 2 for an entire week? We're going to talk about Horrible Bosses 2. Right. Um, yeah, no, that's, you know, our podcast is better, and that's why we're on this sort of, like, we were talking about the, you know, before the episode? Yeah, before the episode, like, we're on this upward trajectory of, like, super growth. You know, massive yeah. growth This is model. what it is. Yeah. We're going yeah. kind of our hands now. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay, all right. Um, thank you again, David. Thank you, thank you. all for listening. Um, we are grateful as ever as we sort of approach the end of season one of Reba, you know, many years after we started. Um... But yes, like David said, uh, rate, review, like, subscribe to all of our things, and we will catch you next time. See ya.